Welcome, everyone. Episode 35 of the Health and Wealth Podcast. Steve Giordano here with very special guest, the EVP of FFL Hidden Gems, Mr. Wayne Carr. What is going on, brother? Not much, man. Excited to be here. I don't think I've ever had an intro quite like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we don't play around around these parts. Um, Clearly. <laughs> You're a guy who I've known a long time, um, respected uh, for being a you know, top producer, as well as building a, a big organization now in Florida. Um, really wanted to start here. Um, what brought you into the insurance game, and when did you get into the insurance game? Man, what brought me in? Um, well, first of all, it was September of 2015. And uh, I think uh, what, what brought me in was... Uh, was the opportunity and the promise i knew mark um through my ex-wife and uh we had kind of done the mlm the network marketing thing uh in tandem um i knew him indirectly through his brother and i knew he was in real estate and then mortgages um and then mona v and then and then i i think i called him um one year to try to pull him into organo gold which i was i was starting at the time and he was landing to do um, a conference somewhere. And he, he basically said, look, I, I know we, we do this, this song and dance, um, but this is what I deposited last month. Can you live off of that or not? And I knew enough about, about Mark and the Mead family to know that if, if, that's what, if that's what he said, that that was probably uh, a little bit underestimating because he just didn't have time to, to look at what the exact number was but I knew it was a real number. And it was a number that I knew if I could live off of, that if I could do a fourth of what the number that he said, that my life was was dramatically changed. And what I was able to do for, uh, for my son, my newborn son at the time, would be dramatically different than, than what I experienced throughout life, even though it was what I wanted to provide for him. I just wasn't really sure how. And he basically gifted me this platform and this this clear path of how I could give him everything that I wanted him to have in mind. And now my daughter too. That's awesome. So that's the short version. There you go. Two two beautiful kids who are uh, you know, living living a nice life now because their dad's working real hard. It's pretty awesome. So now you didn't grow up with a you know entrepreneurial parents or kind of have that in your background how was it when you made that transition? Because I think one of the hardest things for people that get into this business is they go from nine to five to now I'm spending money to make money. And it's a huge yeah. transition. And I honestly think it's it's a much harder thing than we probably give it credit for. We, we I think, a lot of times make this about the selling insurance and that side of it. But that's really the biggest, hardest thing. How do you get over that hurdle? I think... Um for me, it was more of getting out of my own way because I didn't, my, my parents, well, my mom was very adamant about me not going that blue collar route and made sure I went to college and, and, and did something that, that was more mental um, than physical. So I ended up uh, with a career in banking for 11 years. My grandmother got sick. Uh, I left banking to move back to Ohio and took a job 
uh, in retail management, managing a, a chain similar to Target or Walmart. Um, I managed the Southern Ohio region. And then um, making that transition to insurance, understanding uh, what I grew up watching, that blue collar kind of mindset, nine to five overtime is time and a half, just that, that day in, day out grind combined with the, the white collar, uh, I guess, education that I received kind of was the perfect marriage as far as FFL was concerned. So that was the gift. And I guess the curse side of it was having that white collar education where FFL is very much a blue collar, white collar outfit, for lack of a better way to put it. I thought that I was smarter than the system. So I thought that when Paul McLean said dial at, at eight o'clock in the morning, the Monday morning wake up call is at 10. I was like, I don't need to do that. I can sleep in because I work for myself now. I can just jump on after the Monday morning wake up call. Well, after the Monday morning wake up call, at the time, the bullpen session was at noon. So at 10 to 11 was Monday morning wake up. So now 11 to 12, of course, I need to eat and have a snack, <laughs> even though I haven't done anything yet. And then 12 o'clock came around. I got to jump on the bullpen. So now I'm not on the phone until 1 o'clock. So I start dialing at 1 o'clock. Hudson comes home from daycare at 3 o'clock. Of course, it's my firstborn, so I got to play with him. <laughs> so I was, I was literally um, putting myself in this corner um, doing myself more harm than good. And then I had a conversation with Mark where he was basically like, um, who do you, basically, who do you think you are type of conversation? And, and from then on, it was, it was up at drop Hudson off at daycare, go back and, and plug in and start dialing then Monday morning, wake up. And then from there, that was probably month three after I had sold off probably a large portion of my sneaker connection because I, I wasn't going to work. Um, so from then on, I started to see consistent deposits and the activity started to, to yield the result that, that FFL is, is kind of known for now. And the rest is history for lack of a better way to put it. Well, I love that. And you were now, you know, a hall of fame producer. It was 2015 or 16, right? Your first time. 17 and then 20. Got it. Okay. And, and that, and the reason I bring that up is because it was a much different hall of fame. Like it was a lot harder to make the hall of fame then before we had instant leads and this lead, we had lead, you know, you didn't have what we yeah. have now. So it was a lot different game back then. 100%. The leads weren't as abundant. Um, you kind of had to, to pick your shots, become um, a marksman in the home. And, and it, it was, it was still a numbers game, but it was less of a numbers game. And it was more about, building your skill level more so than it is now. Now we still talk about building your skill level, but it's, it's through the numbers, through that first hundred appointments. Whereas before it was more of a, it was just more of a, of a becoming a, becoming a marksman, becoming, I don't want to say an expert, but there was more of an emphasis or necessity to, to hone your craft for, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. And something that I want to talk to you about that I think sometimes goes, you know, unspoken a lot. Um, you obviously figured out, Hey, I need to dial more than the two hours a day that you were doing. So you started getting up early dialing, what have you started booking appointments, doing different things. Um, training. I know that you are, you know, mentally, I think you're one of the sharpest people in the company and one that I've always looked at and looked at their trainings as just top notch. What are things that you did and what are things that now you talk to your new agents about in the way of we have this activity over here, which is number one, 
but then we have this training over here that's going to take the activity to the next level. Yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest thing for me was, was again, realizing that, that I didn't know as much as I thought that I knew and I wasn't as equipped as I thought I was to, to be successful here. And it was, it was a lot of late nights, um, washing bottles, looking and listening to Matt Smith talk about um, creating an arbitrage and an IUL, listening to Sean Ruggiero go through that annuity presentation until I knew it like the back of my hand, um, listening to, to Mendenhall. And this was when they were recordings, when you had to, after it was done, you had to email Sasha and say, hey, can I get that recording for XYZ before they were even sending them out to everybody, um, before they were even sending them out automatically. So I, I spend a lot, of, a lot of nights washing bottles, listening to those recordings with the computer or the iPad propped up on the counter in front of me, watching Sean draw graphs about how to present an annuity. Or Frank Eufinia, if you haven't seen it, uh, I don't know if there's a video of it, but the way that he explains the way UL works with the graph, with the cost of insurance going up one side and the um, the age going up, and it's it's just brilliant. Whether you're trying to sell it or where you're trying to sell against it, it works both ways. And I think really becoming a student and asking a lot of questions, which I think people, especially now with the company being as as large of it is, then it was a lot, it was a lot harder, but it was it was a lot easier to get to people. Um, now it's easier to get to people, but they put, they put like a Steve Giordano on such a pedestal where they, they, for some reason are nervous to approach Steve, not knowing that Steve just wants somebody to say, how do I, so it can be duplicated, um, across the board because the more times we duplicate it, whether it's inside or outside of our agency, eventually we're going to find that person that wants to work with us that we can pour it into. And, and it's just it's, it's really a beautiful thing when you watch somebody realize something that they didn't know about themselves already and do things that they didn't believe that they were capable of. Yeah, that's awesome. Very good knowledge. And I've heard you talk about that story about cleaning the bottles and, and I'm ready for number two. Like pro it could happen literally while we're on this podcast. <laughs> right. And, and that would be cool. Cause that'd be a hell of a story. Um, and if it happens, I'm staying on the podcast until we're done. So <laughs> So now you've evolved, which I think we all do in this business. And obviously the company has from when you started and, and you, you have now built a big team, you know, you're, you're headed towards board member now. Um, when did that light go off for you where it was, okay, I'm producing, I'm learning, I'm training, I'm becoming a Hall of Fame producer. Now I got to build it big. When did that light switch go off? And what are some of the steps that you took immediately to get yourself to the next level? When did the light bulb go off? Um, I, th I think when, when I saw the amount of time that it, that it took for me to hit Hall of Fame the first time because it was very different, at that point I realized and started to, to kind of pay more attention to the John Wetmore trainings and actually started to listen to Mark about building a business because that was, that was the only way to get more time back. Like I, I speak to people all the time about not worrying about that work-life balance in the beginning and earning your time off as a producer. But then to train, you can only get so much time back as a producer because you have bills to pay. It doesn't, if you don't really get that financial freedom until you start to teach other people how to, 
have to earn that time back themselves and talk them through that. And, and there's, there's an old saying that you don't really know something until you teach it to somebody else. And that's so true in this business too. And the more people that you can walk down that path of discovery for themselves, the, the freer you get, the freer they are. And, and it just becomes, it just, it honestly becomes more fun because now you have somebody to really talk to that you can have high level conversations with about the business, about production. And it, it's not, not that I mind it, but it's not the, the right foot, left foot conversation. It's the, the, how can we, how can we sprint through this conversation? Um, so I think, um, when I, when I, when I wanted to make that transition and realize that that's the best way to do it, that's, that's really when the light bulb came off. And that wasn't really until probably the year after 2018, um, after the first year I had Hall of Fame. Um, and then I don't, what was the second part of the question? Oh, what did I put in place? Yeah. Staff. I mean, you have to put a team in place that, that understands what your focus is, that has, that can essentially duplicate kind of your mindset and, and your purpose for doing what you do and understanding that it's about the people, because for me, it truly is about, and not, not to say that it's different for anybody else, but for me, it truly is about having as many people discover in themselves what I discovered and figured out for myself. And it's important for, for the people that work with me, my, my recruiter, my assistant, my um, agent success coach, agent liaison, however you want to put it for them to all walk in that same path with that same mindset so that there's no fall off when somebody gets on the phone. It's not just about processing somebody through the system. Excuse me. It's truly about putting them in a position to succeed on another level. I love that. So that, so that's three staff now you have, right? There's yeah, there's more. Um, I have a, yeah, I have a couple of VAs that actually support, um, that support Barbie, uh, who's, who's my agent liaison and Mary on the admin side, just staying in front of people, just making sure that people know that we're here. Um, and that people know that they have somebody to reach out to when somebody's checking on them, um, just to, just to keep FFO in front of people, because the more often they see it or hear from it, the more likely they are, or the less likely they are to kind of stray away. And the more likely we are to catch them when they have a question or when they need help to point them in the right direction before they just disappear out of frustration. I love that. Now, one thing in knowing you is you're a very, very even keeled, you know, unemotional guy. And this is a very yeah. emotional business. Like I'm the complete opposite of you. I'm like a mess when it comes to the emotion sometimes. How do you manage yourself in the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, the chargebacks, the this, the that, the things that we all deal with? How do you keep yourself kind of level? And then how do you teach it to your team? Yeah, <clears throat> I, I guess I'm kind of like a duck where it's gliding along the water. But if you have a glimpse under the water, he's moving feverishly mm. to, to try to stay moving or stay afloat. But I think the biggest thing for me is, is understanding that you can only control what you can control and um, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And it's, it's 10% what happened and 90% how you react to it. So if it's going to happen, regardless, I'm not going to waste the energy, the energy um, worrying about it. I'm going to focus on how I can overcome it. Or if it's already happened, how I can navigate from where we are now 
back to where I want to go so that I can get back on the right path because there's, there's so much going on. There's so much negativity in the world. There's so much going on um, on a day-to-day basis that you'll, you'll waste a whole day just worrying about things that, that have, that honestly have nothing to do to you. And I don't, there's a, there's a saying, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a big hip hop fan. There's a saying where Jay-Z says, what you eat don't make me. So, I mean, if I didn't eat it, it's not gonna, it's really not gonna affect me. It's not gonna affect my digestive system. It's not gonna affect what comes out on the other side. So I, I can't really worry about it. Like if you're eating that over there, it has nothing to do with me. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> and I really like the duck analogy. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Awesome. So, so now all stolen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the amazing thing about everything we do. We steal everything and, you know, try and make it work. Right. So, yeah. so now where you've seen this company evolve and now explode into, you know, Mark was here and he talked about this and it made perfect sense. We partnered with integrity marketing group, right? So now we've become from a, we're, yes, we're an insurance IMO, but we are a marketing company with so much in the way of social media and the way that we market and brand ourselves and, you know, you know, recruit and all that good jazz. How have you evolved in that game? Um, because I'm sure like myself, probably for you too, the social media game wasn't like something probably comfortable in the beginning, I would guess, but now you've done a lot with it. Um, it looks like you're recruiting with it. How are, how has that kind of changed and your thought about social media changed? Yeah, I think it's like everything else uh, that we've done. I, I employed and reached out to people that were good at it to, to teach me what I needed to do and how to do it because I wasn't good at it. I'm a, I'm a private, a very private, quiet person by nature. So posting on social media is, is kind of the last thing I want to do, especially in regards to, to me and what I'm doing because I don't, I don't like the spotlight at all. Um, so the first thing I did was was consult those people. And then it really was a matter of, because I learned with the production thing and the building thing, it was a matter of, of implementing immediately what they told me to do um, for the most part. And then just continuously growing from there and constantly tapping in and reaching out. Because it's funny that it took us partnering with Integrity Marketing to understand who we were because IMO is Independent Marketing Organization. Right. So we were always a marketing organization but we just did a terrible job of marketing ourselves and what we did, which is kind of why we're seeing the explosive growth that we are now, because it's literally, and Sean said it years ago, it's literally becoming a household name where pretty much everybody you talk to has heard of FFL or already talked to somebody about FFL because of the way that FFL agents market themselves now across the board. Yeah, it's a very good point, <clears throat> which I've thought about a lot about how we, you know, we didn't really do a great job. And then all of a sudden, the people that exploded, they're doing an amazing job. And a lot of us are trying to piggyback and, you know, do it better and learn and, and all that good jazz. So now your team's growing. Um, you're going to have probably your biggest month, like you said to me earlier, in a, in a four week month, which is amazing. Um, what are some of the leaders on your team doing? that maybe they weren't doing a year ago um, that's really taking you to that next level of growth? Yeah, I think they're, they're more diligent about plugging into things, uh, plugging into both the training that we have here and then other people's training. A lot, of, a lot of the people that we work with are doing more traveling 
um, getting out. It's, it's not a coincidence. FFL has more meetings now too um, about these different things that people want to accomplish, Hall of Fame, Road to Integrity, um, the different sales conferences throughout the country. So I think that the people that, that I work with directly are just getting out more, stretching out more and reaching out to more people. Uh, and, and I think it's, it goes back to, again, other people doing a better job of marketing themselves and me also being aware of, of what's going on within the company and being um, a, a fairly decent conductor and pointing people in the right direction um, so that they're not they're not leaning on me or they're not relying on me. They're plugging into the John Wetmore's or or stopping in your office if if they're in South Florida, or if they're on the West Coast, jumping into Dom's office or or wherever wherever they can plug in. It's just getting them in front of the business again as much as possible. Just like we are on the on the onboarding and recruiting side because it's it's just making a difference in the way that they see things and the way that, that they view themselves within our system. Yeah. It's so cool when you, when you start having leaders like yourself, which is what you have on your team now that just want more the way you did. And it's, it's just yeah. like a beautiful thing because you, you see, it's almost like you can kind of, you know, give them what the journey is probably going to look like for the most part. Obviously everybody's going to yeah. be a little different, but you can give them like a, a rough, like, Hey, this is what, this is what I did. You know, and, you know, look, you, you went uphill both ways, you know, in the snow with no shoes, you know, with the leads sure. the way they were back then hitting Hall of Fame. And that's a lot easier. So it's, it's really cool when you can see people doing that. Leave us with this. Uh, what are some um, just tips and things for you, for people who are looking to take their business to the next level? Um, what advice would you give them? I think... Um the, the biggest thing that you can do is, is first of all, plug into an office nearby because that office is, is typically run by a top producer like yourself or we have five or six Hall of Famers in this office. Plug into there and then also find somebody that you identify with. There's so many, so many great producers and great builders now in the company um, and just, just tag along. Just whatever, wherever they are, whatever they're training on, whatever calls they're doing, just digest as much as possible because they obviously speak your language. And if they speak your language, it's easier for you to digest and implement because they're not speaking a foreign language. Like I could never follow somebody who speaks Spanish because I don't speak Spanish. But like John Wetmore spoke my language as far as being even killed. I, I can never understand numbers the way that he does, but I, under, I, I, I like the number side of it. And then they're just putting people first. So I, I understood everything that he was saying. So I just kind of tried to process as much as what he was disseminating as possible and then plug everybody else's stuff into it. And, and then, I mean, here we are. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because a little story, which you may or may not remember, the conven first convention I went to 2019, I sought you out because I had seen, you know, a couple training videos. And back then there was maybe like five training videos. <laughs> it was not what it is today. Um, and I remember just coming up to you and talking to you and just trying to pick your brain. And you were very, you know, giving of your time. And I'm sure you had a lot of people that you, you probably talked to who you, you said, hey, this person may or may not do anything. 
and you you talked to me and, and it a lot of the things that you said made sense in the side of you know dialing and in home so i i thank you because that helped me out a lot at a time where i legitimately knew nothing no of course and to piggyback off of that that's a that's a great testament to the why now and why not wait until you get good at this because you were brand new and I, I knew who you were, obviously, because you worked with Mark and, and you came from the same industry, but I didn't know what you were going to do. Fast forward a year, you're, what, the three years running, the number one producer in the company? Like, at some point, there was nothing, nothing for me to teach you. Literally nothing for me to teach you. But if if we were working together and, and I wait and not hire you, then I kind of shot myself in the foot by not having you on my team because I didn't want to talk to you about the business. Yeah. Very good point. So, I mean, obviously at this point, I, I don't, I don't have anything. To, I've never written a hundred grand in them. I mean, I've never helped a thousand families in a month or a hundred families in a month. I've never helped a hundred families in a month. Um, and I don't know that I ever will, but you didn't look at what I did and say, this is my bar said, okay, I'm going to take this and apply it. And now that's your new bar. Yeah. And it's almost like you said it, you know, identify with people because you're always going to pull something um, from people. You know, one of the things that I've always pulled from you is you have a very keen psychology, I feel, in your in-home. And it's also the way that you talk and present yourself. Like, I, I feel like you're almost like a, you're like a, you just slither in and out. Like, and you're, and I just know like the way you say things and the way you plant seeds. And that helped me a lot because a lot of times I can be emotional in the way I talk and I'll think back to just the way that you talk, like that kind of low, slow. And it's like, yeah. you, you hit them when they least expect it. And I've taken that out a lot of, a lot of your trainings on in homes. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, anything we could do for you, um, you know, um, always there for you. Um, next time you're down or I'm up there, we'll have to do one of these live. And, um, of course, and uh, it's great working with you and awesome to see what you're doing, where you've come and where you're going. No, pleasure's all mine, man. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Be good. We will see you next week. Take care. Mm, 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 mm.